0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I'm your host and editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. I got my guy with me, Cameron Fields. Cam, what's good, bro? What's up, Kai? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I can't lie with you. I kind of stopped playing 2K, so like, I can't really give an update. I can't. Um, good on my 2k14 exploits i just i kind of got sick of i kind of got sick of just putting no buckets i wanted to do something else so like i wanted to i switched wow. i'm now playing call of duty yeah, black ops good. one <laughs> okay and i was playing zombies. Yup, of course you gotta hop on the zombie swag all right now cam with us today is a very special guest the the editor of our netswire site nick fryer he's also the boston celtic insider for a wei up there in boston so like he kind of does double duty man this guy covers two teams at the same time and honestly i don't know how he does it because i have a bunch of issues dealing with just the sixers and dealing with ben simmons giving
1: me three word answers so
0: i don't understand how nick does it but he does it nick what's up
1: man What's up, dude? I, yeah, I don't have to deal with the, uh, Ben Simmons type up here, so that definitely helps. And then on, on top of that, I'm not trying to be a jack on 2K, like you are in real life, I've heard, too. What? You've said it. Your words. Not mine. Your words.
2: <laughs> okay, this is yes, true. Yes, he
1: said it before.
2: This well, this is true. <laughs> <I'm> hey, <laughs> Nick, Nick exposes Kai with uh, all the the um chocolate, the Kit Kat chocolate eating habits. Yo, That's right, man. Heaven.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> He really yeah. did. But for the people who don't know, I don't break my Kit Kats. I just bite right into them because I mean, I feel like it'd just be easier to eat and it's quicker. You just kind of bite right into it. I don't see the point. I don't see why everybody gets so upset. I mean, it's just,
1: <laughs> I don't know. So like it's that, part of their whole ad campaign, breaking me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. The song, everything. Right. That, right. Is that is a suggestion. That is a suggestion.
0: It's just a suggestion. That's all it is. I promise you that. There is no Man. one out there that says you got to break it off. So, suggestion. Anywho, guys, we have a action-packed podcast for you guys today. There's, There could be some hope around the bend, guys. There could be some type of hope uh, for basketball to return. Obviously, uh, we have a lot of hurdles to jump through right now considering everything that's going on with coronavirus and everything that how It's kind of affecting everything. It sucks. Um, but there is a new vaccine out there, or not vaccine, I should say test, a test out there that allows accurate results in up to 45 minutes. So quicker quicker tests, quicker results, we can maybe move forward with this. Uh, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban joined 97.3 The Fan in Pittsburgh, and he says, and I quote, if things really go our way, it's not inconceivable to me, and this is me being hopeful and not being scientific, that we could potentially play games in early June. I've, as Cam knows, I've kind of been on the bandwagon. I think we could have basketball back first week of June. I'm going to stick with that. I hope we get it. Um, Cam and I kind of discussed this, but Nick, what do you think? I do think June is kind of like a realistic kind of uh, timeline right now.
1: I've been on record saying that I, uh, I'm not optimistic at all about all this. I know you don't like that. (laughs) It's fair. It definitely is
0: fair. I mean, like, you know, with everything that's going on, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. but it, the the but I will say, you know, knock on wood and everything. This past week has felt, as much as there's still a lot going wrong right now in the U.S., it does feel like it's a l- slight bit less chaotic to me, and that's from talking to other people. and And, and maybe that's because this is starting to become more oh, normal. Man. That's not necessarily yeah. a good thing, I guess. But, but I just get that general vibe that right now we're starting to get an understanding of where we are, where things are going. As much as Adam Silver earlier in the week says, I don't know more than I did at the beginning. It seems like from the scientific community, like it's not necessarily stable, but they have a, they have some level of direction. So if they have direction, once they get an idea of what to do, then we'll all be able to. So Cuban saying that I think is realistic. And, and the other thing too is guys is when silver said, or, or sorry, I reported that they want to have a champion crowned by labor day. That's at, coming on the heels of the, the conversation with Trump with all the league commissioners and stuff. So there's – there people are seeing it be realistic. So I think your line of thinking um, is more realistic than optimistic maybe.
0: I really just think that we will get some type of hoops back because, like you said, Nick, that Woj report that he came out and said the league is desperate to crown a champion this year. And, I mean, who isn't? You know, like, you can't just kind of play 65 games and be like, oh, we got no champion. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're we're in the record books. And also, Cam and I discussed this as well, the financial implications. I mean, like, there was just too much money on the the line for me to think these owners are going to be like, oh, yeah, we're good. We're just canceling the season. Yeah, go ahead. Because, I mean, I talked about it with Cam. When you think back about this whole NBA season. The ratings have been lower this year just because of, like, you know, injuries to Brooklyn stars like Durant, Kyrie. There's a little less interest in Brooklyn. And then Steph Curry got hurt after four games. So there goes all the interest about Golden State. And then there was, um, like, a lot of just different things and factors. Oh, Daryl Morey with China in the preseason. There's just a lot of different factors that really kind of just affected the NBA's wallet. And if, if they don't have at least a playoffs and all that TV revenue that they could potentially have even if it is in that bubble in las vegas or atlantic city wherever i mean i feel Mm -hmm. like, like there's a lot of motivation for everybody involved to at least get some type of playoffs and crown a champion for sure
1: yeah, the only thing is, is the teams on, um, like, you know, I see Cam's got the Cavs banner behind him. I mean, like, I don't know if, like, how, Cam, what do you think? Do you think the Cavs guys, like, do you think Drummond's going to, uh, get Kai's favorite player in the world, do you think sucks. Drummond's going to want to get going and stuff? Because I don't, that's my only question, though, is how are those teams going to yeah. handle it?
2: That's the thing, yeah. Um, Chris Fedor, yeah, um, my teammate at Cleveland.com, uh, he's the main beat writer there, but he wrote a story, Just about how, you know, Andre Drummond, you know, he's likely. Well, it wasn't centered around that, but it was about, you know, mentioning Andre Drummond is likely to opt into that um, player option. So, I mean, Andre Drummond and the Cavs, they had 17 games left in the regular season uh, once everything stopped. And I know that Colin Sexton mentioned in an article, too, that um, he and the Cavs, you know, they want to have that time because they were just, you know, getting acclimated with J.B. Bickerstaff. And they wanted Mm -hmm. to have that time to, you know, roll into next season with a good outlook on things and, you know, have a goal to get to the playoffs potentially next season. So, you know, for those like lottery teams that were kind of hitting their stride before everything happened, uh, I think that, you know, they do have some sort of argument where it's like, hey, we want to have at least, you know, maybe at least some regular season games left to play just so, you know, we can go out on a solid note.
1: So, but then from the Sixers' standpoint, right? Of course, I look at it as this is if, if there if there are teams that benefit from this, if they're going to pick it up, Sixers are one of the first ones that I think of in all this. The Sixers, the Lakers, as much as some people will say that maybe the Lakers don't benefit, I think that's ludicrous. And then the Celtics are another team in some ways, but if they just pick it up straight up, right, it's going to end up being Sixers, uh, Sixers, Celtics, and you're going to be hanging out with me in Boston all the time, Cam, Mikai. Okay.
0: Well. Unfortunately, it won't be in Boston. It will be in Vegas. So, like, unfortunately. That's true. It's true. Unfortunately. I mean, like, I totally would take the train up there, you know, and we we get a couple of days together in Boston. But, unfortunately, it's not going to happen.
1: So, I'll I'll, I'll see you next
0: year. So, so, but I'll (laughs) I'll see you next year, though, for sure. Like, I'll definitely stay at your house next week or next year. Yeah. Oh, and and Cam, I might reach out to you when the Sixers go to Cleveland, too. Just a heads up. I'm just giving you the heads up. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, okay. All right, cool. cool. Anywho, anywho, like, I do agree with you, Nick, though. Like, if there was any teams to benefit from the league coming back and resuming, if, you know, like you said, Philly-Boston, the Lakers, I would throw the Clippers in there, too. And I would also mm-hmm. throw the Denver Nuggets in there, just because I feel like Denver was kind of – I would, just because I feel like Denver was beginning to hit their stride a little bit. Like, sure, Gary Harris has kind of been having okay. a down year compared to his years in the past. But Denver could totally, like, challenge, like, the Lakers and the Clippers, at least in my opinion, for an NBA title. They wouldn't beat them because the Lakers and Clippers are better teams. But Denver would definitely give them a dogfight. And in the East, you look at Philly, you look at Boston, uh, Milwaukee, obviously, Toronto, even Miami. I mean, like, like, there were some teams out there that, like, in the East, that, like, could all kind of rumble for a chance for an NBA title. And, you know.
1: Yeah. yeah. The other team that I was interested in, I'm sure we, we were all looking at it at the beginning, was, like, well, if, if the league's going to be on hiatus and it's going to take a while, and if it's going to take more than a month, then maybe the Nets are going to get Kevin Durant back, which would have right. been nuts. That would have changed everything, even right. if he, even though he was just starting out. But it doesn't look like we're getting that till till next year either. I, I, that whole situation is just continues to be so strange. But um, but yeah, I, I I don't know about. I mean, the Nuggets maybe it'll help them. I just don't look at when I look at the West I, I really do think it's a two team race out there. And, and maybe animal. the Rockets get lucky, but that even then I don't buy that.
0: I'm not buying the Rockets just because of I mean I I, I I gotta applaud them for going all in on small ball. But when you gotta face the Lakers and you gotta deal with like, you know, you got nobody protecting the rim when LeBron comes down the lane. Or when you're playing the Clippers and you got nobody mm-hmm. to handle Montrez Harrell on the boards, or you know even
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: Paul George and Kawhi. I mean, like Harden and Westbrook are obviously two of the best players in the game, but like mm-hmm. I just I, I feel like it, they would get absolutely swallowed up if they were to play because they're because if the season ended today and it, and they just go right into the playoffs, they would play Denver. Who's guarding Jokic? Like who on that team is guarding Nikola Jokic or I, I or, think Houston, or even Paul. I Nosa still out. think
2: Houston. I still think Houston. I'm not. I'm not sold on Denver at all. I mean, I think Ooh. Houston could take that series. I think. I think that series is a is a big toss up. If it, if you know, you know, you start at the playoffs, right, today. right.
0: And it's fair, huh? just just because of how great James Harden and Russell Westbrook are. I'm actually a Russell Westbrook stand. I'm not gonna lie. Like, if there was one guy I had to stand, I like Russ. League, if if there was one guy, um, I, I would huh. stand in the league. It would totally be Russell Westbrook. But, like, the, the way I see it is I, I just don't think Houston really has enough to, like, really beat, up, beat a team like Denver just because of the size. Like, who's guarding Nikola Jokic? Who's guarding Paul Millsap? Like, if, if you think you're going to put P.J. Tucker on Jokic, as great of a defender Tucker is, and, like,
1: I don't know. I, just, I don't think I'd feel comfortable with that if I'm Houston. That's just me, though. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I'm curious what Cam has to say more, though.
2: Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro, yeah I think – you know, the, the Nuggets, you know, if Jokic being that hub of the offense, it would be kind of strange for the Rockets to guard them with P.J. Tucker at center. Right. But also, I think if you take that game, I mean, it's just one game where the Rockets, you know, beat the Lakers and had that – the new small ball lineup. That is true. Um, they really just put the pressure on them in terms of spreading them out. And they had Russ's and James Harden's abilities to drive to the rim just amplified. And to be honest, Jokic isn't like a bona fide rim protector. I mean, he's not a terrible defender, but he's not like Rudy Gobert or anything no. like that, or Damn no, gosh. like Mitchell Robinson or someone like that. So no. I don't think rim no, like you know battling rim, rim protection. <laughs> <laughs> so it's true. I, I don't think you know battling rim protection <laughs> would be too much of an issue for Houston in that series. And then the Nuggets, too, I'm just not sold on them because Jokic, he has a tendency to disappear, and then Jamal Murray, too, uh, is inconsistent as well. Murray definitely does. I will definitely agree about Jamal Murray. I I, I remember game
0: one of their series against uh, San Antonio last year, or was it game two or something like that, where, like, Murray sucked for, like, a good three quarters, and then he somehow randomly got hot in the fourth and Denver won. I think it was game one of their series with San Antonio last year. But, like, it just – I'll agree with you on Murray, 100%. And, and you know what, Jokic to a certain extent. Because there will be times Jokic will be like, dude, what are you doing? So, like, like I'll, I'll tell – Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I can see what you're saying, Cam. I mean, like, it wouldn't shock me if Houston won. I would just kind of go with Denver just because of the size.
1: Like, I, I don't really see how that really would work yeah. out in the playoffs. That's just me, though. All right. As so. much as I like Russ, I'm not a big Harden guy. But I do how? think that the, the Rockets would have – how? James How Harden is amazing. No, I, I don't like watching. I mean, we, we talk about it on, on, on Five Out. It's all about the he, – dude, he dribb- dribbles a million times. He plays for fouls, and he's good at it. Don't get me wrong, but I, don't, I never go to, for a free-throw shooting contest, right? So, I mean, he, he's he, – but he's outstanding at it. And that's why I would Fair. give them the edge still, as Fair. much as I like the Nuggets more as a team. Um, just that's, that's an important part of the game is being able to draw fouls and be efficient at the line, and James Harden does both well. So I'd probably give the – to the Rockets. Yeah. And they have star power, and, you know, unfortunately, I think that plays sometimes in the league.
0: Best players. Yeah, right. I mean, they would have the two best players in the series. Well, they yes, would have exactly. –
1: Well, I'm talking about the refs and things, like, like perception whoa, and how they call Nick, it. Nick is out here using conspiracy <laughs> theory. He's using conspiracy yeah, theorists. He's
0: bringing out the – I'm officials. just saying – <laughs> just saying. Well,
1: it makes a lot it's of sense. Been, it's
0: happened before. It makes a oh. lot of sense. Harden gets the line. How many times does Harden get to the line? Like 10 times a game? Something ridiculous like that? It's crazy. It's obscene.
1: It's obscene. Like, we, I, I know when the, like with the Celtics, when they're talking about it at the beginning of the season, like, getting to the line more and all this stuff, and how, like, Jalen Brown was the best guy doing it for the Celtics last year. He was getting there, like, five times, I think it was, or close to five, and it's like, you look at Harden, and it's just, it's not even close. Like you, there's no one like him, though. He's a freak right. not at when all when it comes to that.
2: I'm just so saying. good at
1: it. All right,
2: so He's averaging 11.8 free throws free That's throws what I mean. game. mean. It's, yeah. it's, it's a joke. He's so
1: good at it.
0: That's 11.8 free throws a game is absolutely insane. You know you know what though? I mean like it's crazy to me how different the game is today because you know, Cam, I know you've been watching some old hoops too that kind of been hopping on TV and stuff like that. Um, But the other day, dude, I was watching the – I guess like the NBA's YouTube channel is kind of putting out some old-time games. So I was watching the 2005 NBA Finals. It was game seven between San Antonio and Detroit. And like San Antonio and Detroit, I think they got to the free throw line and combined like 12 times. Like like up until like the maybe final two minutes when Detroit had to keep fouling. And then then like by that point, you're just shooting a bunch. But, but, like, it's just it's, – it's, and they also took, like, maybe, I think, 23-pointers combined between the two teams, or 22, something like that. When in today's Rugged game, game. – wait, right, Where in today's game, you'll see a team take 22 three-pointers by themselves and probably even more. Like, it's crazy to me how it's the game is all about offense
1: changed. now, man. I mean, it's, uh, the, the 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 league's trying to push offense more. We all know that. And then you have right. analytics that have, have become much more prominent, which leads to more three-point shooting, and then guys start hunting fouls, Rush right. reward them for it. Yeah. All these different things. That's why it's changed so much. That's why it looks so different.
2: Right. All right. So where are uh, more terms of this, defense too.
0: In terms of this topic, mm-hmm. you know, like we all, I, I think the league will come back first week of June. I'm still going. I'm still going to kind of hold on to that hope. You know. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to speak. it. I'm going to do what the young kids say, Nick. I'm going to speak it into existence. And like, like. Oh, you
1: know, okay. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Do nah, that. You're like, you're like
0: 25, though, right? Twenty-six. I'm old. Okay. <laughs> you're old. What the hell am I then? I'm twenty-eight. Nick, you're like we're in the same age bracket. We're both old, man. It's just a like kind of you know like yeah. that. Hmm. Wait, Cam, I, Cam and
2: Cam, how old are you? I'll be twenty-three in May. Yeah. See, Cam's a baby, man. Like, 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 Cam's Yeah, old. he
1: is. like, like, yeah. like me, me and you are old, Nick. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm. <laughs>
0: Listen, man, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to speak it into existence. First week of June, the NBA will return, I hope. All right. All right. We're going to dive into some NBA draft stuff, too. Uh, there have kind of been some different NBA draft mock drafts out there that um, for the Sixers, and I kind of have broken I have broken it down to the top five uh, prospective draft options. So I don't know if, you've, if you haven't seen it yet, make sure you check out SixersWire.com. We have a bunch of – since there really hasn't been anything to write about, you know – we turn to the draft. So there's a lot of draft stuff up on SixersWire.com if you have not uh, checked it out. So number five for me, I like Nico Mannion. Well, I, what are you guys' opinion on this kid out of Arizona? He's 6'3", weighs 180 pounds, not the most athletic guy, but, I mean, the guy can shoot. He, only, he doesn't necessarily shoot. He can get to the free throw line. I'll say that.
2: Well, I i mean, I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen any of Nico Mannion or anything like that. But since you said he can shoot, that's something that the Sixers need desperately. As we've talked about before on this podcast, um, you know, you mentioned how they missed J.J. Redick uh, in free agency. So much. You know, he goes to the Pelicans. And, you know, he's an important part of their offense. You know, definitely a hindrance on defense. But you look at what shooting can bring to Philly's offense. That just makes them better, and right now they would they need they need that shooter. I mean, you know, I thought that that lineup would fit of Horford, Richardson, Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Joel indeed but yeah, clearly so it hasn't done as well as we thought it would. So they need that spacing where they can have that true sharpshooter.
0: Well, for me, it's like, I looked at his shooting numbers and overall he's shooting 32.7% from deep, not exactly the most, you know, impressive number, but he shot 40, but he's up and down. He shot 47.1% from deep in November. Then it dropped all the way down to 20.7% in December. That it moved back up to 36.1% in January. It dropped down to 23.9% in February. And in seven games in March, he shot 41.2% from deep. So it's yeah. like the ability to shoot is there. It just – he really needs to find some consistency at yeah. this point because those numbers I just mentioned, like there's a huge drop-off and rise in between yeah. them.
1: I'm curious what the volume numbers with like how, right. how much he's shooting in those months too, because that's the other thing. I mean, when I, and I, when I look at a, a shorter guy who's a scorer, the biggest thing I'm thinking of, especially if he's not that athletic is how is he going to create space and all this too, where, right. you know, Alec Burks maybe has a little bit more success with that. I, I question how this guy will be able to do that at this level if he's not at all that athletic. So that, that that would be my major drawback, I guess with him, but I understand, you know, Depending on where you are in the draft, you got to take what you can get and all this stuff. But that, like that's, I would think that is he's, you he's know, kind of just focusing on his game and that's it and that's all he has and, and no school or anything like that, I would imagine in, in having better coaches, not to knock his co- coaches in college or anything, but obviously the NBA coaches should be better, having that will help him. But at the end of it all, it may not matter if he can't get open, if he can't you know, get a good position out there.
0: Right, that's kind of like, that's like the big knock on Mannion. Um, the other guy, you no, know, number four on my list was Trey Jones out of Duke. Now, obviously, the Sixers yeah. have been looking for a backup point guard of Ben Simmons. They tried Howell Neto this year. They tried Trey Burke. But right now, they're trying with Alec Burks before you know the league suspension and everything. But netto really hasn't exactly worked out so like how old Neto is like anything all that special and then trey Burke showed flashes but the sixers released him in order to bring in alec burks and burks Great. is a free agent this summer and i don't have any inside source or anything else but when talking to him and seeing the vibe um, the tone in his voice things like that everything's kind of says on the table they're like i kind of don't want to come back here um especially due to the fact that he was having like a really good year with golden state and he kind of like seemed upset that like He came to Philadelphia. He was traded to Philadelphia to begin with because of, you know, he was having a good year and going into a free agent year, having a contract year. So Trey Jones could be an option to be a backup to Simmons. And, you know, he shot 36.1% from deep at Duke. He averaged 16 points, six and a half assists, got good high basketball IQ. What about Trey Jones at 22?
2: I I like that. I mean – Defense, defense, defense. He's one of the best defenders, especially perimeter-wise, in the draft. And, you know, you look at his brother Tyus, too. And Tyus is another solid defender. And I think that Trey Jones has good, you know, just floor general tendencies. I mean, he's kind of like a throwback point guard where, you know, he's not going to score a whole bunch. But I don't think that – to an extent, I I think that they – they kind of need almost that T.J. McConnell-like, you know, guy where they're just going to hustle off the bench. They're going to play defense. You know, they can get you maybe like eight points, and they'll control the offense for you. They need that kind of backup point guard. But um, I think the, the bigger thing is, you know, Simmons and just his development um, as an offensive player. But backup-wise, I don't think they really need – a, a big time score at the point guard position, I think Trey Jones would be a good fit,
1: yeah, I think that with Jones I mean whenever you're looking at the back of point guard position, I mean now where point guards are not at all what they used to be or what they're not supposed to be like that way anymore. I think for the starting point guards, yeah, that's fine. But for backup guys, I still like having that old school guy who doesn't necessarily need to look for offense who can facilitate. My biggest thing is with any reserve guy. And if that's what we're looking at, you know, if we're trying to, if the Sixers are trying to get a backup point guard and all this, um, my big thing is, are they – they don't necessarily need to be a positive, like when we're talking – if you're talking plus minus or whatever, but I need someone who's at least going to keep the game right. where it's at when they're in. It's not going to be a huge drop-off, preferably not a drop-off at all. You know, like that's, to me, a guy who can manage the game. So when you've got a guy who's got a high basketball IQ, Trey Jones, I mean, that's, that's the perfect kind of fit to me. So if that's what they're looking for in this and they want to get a backup point guard like you guys are saying, then, yeah, this guy makes sense. All
0: right, moving on to number four, Jalen Smith out of Maryland. Or, excuse me, number three. Moving on to uh, Jalen Smith out of Maryland. This kid's a power forward. He shoots 36.8% from deep this year as a sophomore from Maryland. He averaged 15 and 10. Guys, the Al Horford experiment hasn't exactly worked in Philadelphia. Maybe a guy like Jalen Smith could kind of step in and provide like a – because, I mean, like if they want to move Horford to the bench, maybe you can put in a guy like this kid, Jalen Smith, and maybe space the floor a little bit more, a little more athletic, a little more younger you know, yeah. rather than try to, you know, put a square into a, a square peg into a round hole.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, you want to have experience like Horford. I mean, the Horford experience right. definitely is of value, but also like we've mentioned, Horford has had such a down year, you know, maybe looking at someone younger, like Jalen Smith, like you said, stretch that floor could be beneficial. And also, as I've mentioned, Ben Simmons loves to play fast. So if you can have that youth and you can get up and down the floor, I think that's good just, you know, so Simmons can have a more impact, you know, on the game offensively because I think half court wise, they might have to do where it's like, okay, we run Simmons off the ball. They run him. I think they maybe need to run a more like point forward half court and then transition. Yeah. he, He's, you know, running the break and everything. But point forward, half court, they might have to do that just because of how their spacing has suffered with him at the top.
1: Yeah, I like this guy. I mean, I, I like this guy, especially in the late round. I mean, I think he's – I actually, you know, thought that he'd be a good fit for the Celtics too because they need some more size. And then this guy, like, like he stretches – he can help stretch the floor too. And it seems like a lot of the draft ex- experts are convinced that he can shoot the long ball at the next level I mean even if he's shooting like the same percentage he is now i'm fine a big guy shooting league average totally fine with me yeah. so so I, I like that um I just find it funny how the horford has not like Philly fans aren't liking him either because in Boston there were like fans did like him, but some of them did get frustrated with him. And then they, you know some of my coworkers were not a big fan of him because they didn't feel like he really did much. Um, but I know it's, it, it's different now because he's dealing with age and how much money you guys paid him to. I'm sorry, how much so money the Sixers paid him. But yeah, I, hey. I, I like I like this kid. Yeah, exactly. I know. I, my apologies. Um, but with um with this, but I, I think that Smith's a, a, a nice ad for anybody uh, because I think that there's. I think there's quite a bit of upset with this guy.
0: All right. Now, he's the guy I like the most. Well, there's two of them. One is this kid, Kira Lewis Jr. out of Alabama. This kid is he, – he's physical. He's fast. He gets to the free throw line 4.2 times a game. He averaged 18.5 points and five assists for Alabama. He shot 36.6% from deep. Not the greatest number, but that can improve. And he'd be an immediate upgrade. So either Neto or Burks, at least in my opinion. I think Lewis can really have a really solid NBA career. I think, he, I think Lewis could be one of those guys to where he'll come in, he'll be a bench reserve guy to begin with, and then as he continues to move forward, he can be a starter in this league, at least in my opinion. I think he can do it. Dude, and even because he had a big season, and even without the NCAA tournament, he has been rising up like draft boards. Like I saw – like, I, I saw one mock draft that had him, like, 28th last week, and then I saw one this week that had him, like, 16th, 15th, something like that. Okay. So, like, just Lewis is, like, lottery. rising up draft board. So, he may not even be there at 22, but if he is, I don't think the Sixers can, like, let him pass.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're saying his stock is going up that high, you know, having that, that, that could be a very good – and you mentioned the 18 points per game, right? So, I mean, that – that that's something that could offer a real punch to the bench because you know as we talked about with Trey Jones having that you know throwback kind of guy at the point guard that's beneficial but also having that um, just bucket getter microwave kind of guy is beneficial as well there's a bunch of guys like that in the league Uh, Lou Williams uh, Jordan Clarkson Alec Burks had that kind of year um, just able to get buckets off the bench so I mean that could be very beneficial for the Sixers because I feel like they really don't have that guy where it's like, okay, you just get us points. Um, Alec Burks, he can potentially be that guy, but then you just mentioned, like, hey, will he come back? during free agency, so.
1: Mm-hmm. When it comes, I mean, in, the thing is, too, that teams always talk about is you take the most talented player that's available. So you would think if this guy's there, above well, everybody else that we've mentioned already so far, that they're gonna, that Lewis Jr. would go to the Sixers if he's available. But I, I think that right now it may be, it might be end up being a reach, and I and the other thing too is wh- where, like you said, having a, like the having a traditional point guard is valuable off the bench, but more importantly, what you brought up before Kim was how you know Ben Simmons' development, how confident are they in his offense? Is he going to have nights still where he more often than they'd like, where he scores only nine points, doesn't shoot, whatever? Is he? I mean, I'm he's never going to shoot threes. I mean, we know this, but um, those if that step in his development, he doesn't take those steps, then having that guy off the bench who can score at the same position becomes even more valuable because now maybe you can mix him in where he plays like the off guard on offense. And then on defense, he covers a smaller guy or whatever. So yeah, having Lewis Jr. I think would be a great fit for the Sixers. I think he'd be another guy who'd be a good fit for a lot of teams. But um, I think the biggest thing comes down to, like you said, Kai, is he going to still be there at 22?
0: Yeah, like I said, his his stock has been rising. He's also a guy I think who would even play in lineups in tandem uh, with, with Simmons for like you know stretches of games. Now to the other guy, the final guy on my list that like I put together, jamias Ramsey out of Texas Tech. He's kind of been the guy who's been the most popular pick for Philadelphia at twenty-two this past year with the with the Red Raiders. He averaged fifteen points and he shot forty-two point six percent from deep. So shooting. That's yes. exactly what they need. Now, he's not the, he's not the greatest um, guy in terms of catch and shoot. Uh, his catch and shoot percentage isn't exactly like the highest thing in the world. But, again, that can improve over time if he's got the right stroke, like Cam, uh, like Cam said. And he won rookie of the year this year in the Big 12. So, and also, here's another thing. Josh Richardson is a free agent uh, – well, potential free agent in the year 2021. He, he's got a player option. So, if he doesn't exercise, then there goes your shooting guard. So, if you get rid of, if you you lose Richardson, you can put in a guy like Ramsey. It's kind of a move that could help the team now and even in the future as well.
2: Yeah. Ramsey, he's, he's, when I watched him, he's similar to Richardson. Uh, They, you know, Ramsey's a very athletic guard. Uh, Richardson, also another athletic guard. Um, And then Ramsey, he can shoot, like you said. I mean, off the dribble, I think he's, yeah, better than his catch and shoot, as you mentioned, but. that can grow. I mean, you just work on your shot, you work on your shot repeatedly, get that muscle memory down in different spots. You know, you only need like a few spots. I mean, if you have a spot on the left wing or spot on, you only really need a few spots where you can be really, really good. So I think Jamias Ramsey is probably their best fit. And honestly, it would probably be like, it wouldn't be a reach. He'd probably be there and it'd be like, okay, this is our guy. And if like Nick mentioned, if Kira Lewis Jr. is there, then obviously, you know, you, you're like, okay, we got to take this guy. This guy is averaging a bunch of points in college. He could be a nice scorer for us. So, you know, I think it would be come down come down to those two if they were available.
1: Yeah. And I would still think that if, if Lewis Jr. is avail, available and they I, they feel he's the more talented player, which I, I kind of tend to think he is, then that will be the guy that um, that I would still suggest the Sixers to go with, as much as Ramsey might fit more of an immediate need, where you get a guy who, again, not a catch and shoot guy, but maybe could develop into that. I don't, you don't, you're still going to draft for talent and everything. But if he's not there, then Ramsey makes the most sense of him all because he, because he can shoot. He's the best shooter of of the guys that we've been talking about so far. Um, he's got size, and I think you know, it, and it helps with the need, and it could help, and like I said, it could help with a need down the line. So this guy in terms of fit, he might be the best one on the board, but you just, they can't, they don't, nobody drafts for fit. And like you, you, you sign guys for fit. Um, but if they both come together, then, then yeah, I mean, this, he would be a good ad for the Sixers for sure. And they've shown, like, they, they know what they're doing. Obviously Tyboll was, was a great move for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, Matisse Tyboll has been an absolute beast, right. You know, for, for them defensively, he's been an absolute uh, huge pickup for them. Um, and then, obviously like like this team you know they kind of got luck out of the first round pick because nobody saw the Oklahoma City Thunder doing as well as they as they did this year you know True. you know they mm-hmm. shot they shot their shot man and then, like they went with Chris Paul and now they're uh, five seed in the west something ridiculous like that like
1: okay SGA's season. a stud too man Trying I to love tell you SGA.
0: SGA. Gilgeous Alexander
2: too having a good year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah he's
2: been terrific.
0: All right so NBA draft june 25th it's probably not going to be the 25th it's probably gonna be sometime in august but like we'll figure that out at some point uh thanks coronavirus so we're gonna move on to a possible uh playoff matchup as we talked about cam and i have kind of dissected a little bit of Sixers celtics which uh when the season does return in june which, which will probably be the first round matchup so Sixers celtics yeah. We're going to focus in. We're going to zero in on one specific matchup. Uh, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has had his struggles in the past against Boston. This year, he's been a little bit better. This year, in four games against the Celtics, he's averaging 18.3 points, eight and a half rebounds, 5.8 assists, and he's shooting 60% from the floor. But – we all know about his issues in the past in the playoffs. The Celtics did a hell of a job just shutting him down in the 2018 playoffs. He scored a grand total of one point in game two of that series. So everybody remembers that. Nick, you're around the Celtics more than anybody. Uh, what, what What do the Celtics do to just really just bother Ben Simmons every time they match up?
1: Well, I mean, you know, when you see the one of my favorite memes that came out of this whole coronavirus thing was I think it was LeBron guarding Ben Simmons and it was, yeah. you know, if you're wondering how far you should stand from somebody, you know, just imagine it's Ben Simmons, you know, you're you're defending Ben Simmons. Um, but anyways, I think yeah, that's I one up. one thing that the Celtics do well though is they they is that they don't, they're not going to go and give him the three. And then they have guys who can switch onto him too. That's been one of Brad Stevens' biggest things is switchability. You look at it, People will say around here, Oh, there are too many forward, too many wing players on this team. Cause you have Hayward Brown and Tatum. And then you have like Shemi Ojale who can fill into that slot. You have Javante green. Wanamaker can kind of defend wing players too. He's not that great, but I mean, whatever then smart can defend, um, in in a way kind of everybody because he's so stocky and because he's you know such a so bullheaded and everything but that's why Simmons for Simmons it's such a tough matchup because all those guys can kind of hang with him in some capacity and and I think now for Simmons what will be tougher too is where it was smart in Jalen Brown kind of who ha- handled him more in the past and then maybe you know Mook, you know years ago and whatever but right now I think Shemi Ojale is, kind of, is, is coming into his own. And Jason Tatum, I don't know if you guys saw – did you guys see the Celtics Clip, uh, Clippers game before the All-Star break? Yep. Yeah, when Tatum went off, yeah. Yeah, so he went off. So Now we're talking from uh, from an def- offensive standpoint, yes, he went off. But defensively, he had to handle Kawhi in that game too. And that right. game had everything, like a playoff right. atmosphere and all that, and he was hanging with him. And, I mean, look, don't get me wrong, Ben Simmons is very physically gifted and everything, but – if someone's hanging with Kawhi, I tend to think they're going to be able to hang with Ben Simmons. So that's another True. guy, another wrinkle in it that that creates some kind of complication. Um, I think Ben Simmons' biggest thing he has going for him is the fact that he has Joel Beat, But it's always, you know, right? It's always how do those two work together? It's always the big issue, right, for you guys in Philly? Always. <laughs> Seriously.
0: Always. Honestly. Yeah. It- I think the I think the biggest thing I get in like my emails from like readers and stuff and even in my Twitter DMs is the fact that they should totally trade Joel Embiid and, and and that Joel is like you know, he's always out of shape and he's not a leader and everything else. Like that's always the biggest complaint about Sixers fans. Wow. And then I'll get like a small percentage of emails saying like like um Ben Simmons is he also needs to go like the dude's never going to shoot he's terrible and everything else in between so Sixers fans are just they're like they're the most frustrated people I have ever been around in my entire life I've never been around like they just and they're young people too most of the time like I've never seen a group of young people as frustrated as people from Philadelphia I don't get it
1: I say it I say to people all the time like people say oh you know Boston fans are ruthless and they're passionate, but they're ruthless. New York fans can be tough too. And, and, and like, those are two of the most passionate fan bases, but I always say it. Philly fans are the toughest fans of them all. No question about it. It doesn't matter if we're talking baseball, football, basketball, whatever, like they are always ruthless. I will say this, this year I traveled a little little bit more, obviously.
0: I've kind of been around to like a couple more NBA arenas and, and stuff. I think the most I think the rowdiest arena I've ever been to was still Wells Fargo Center. Like, like nothing really like kind of takes the cake there. But Nick, Boston was tough. I'm not going to lie with you. Like the second time I was up there, they had me sitting in downstairs in like the lower seats. And I had this fan in my ear with that stupid Boston accent, like just kind of yelling at Ben Simmons <laughs> on the free throw line. Like it, it, was a, it was it was like,
1: oh, my God, shut up. Yeah, Boston. Boston fans will get chirp with the best from that. Like they, they can be tough on their own players, but when they love their team, and especially like like Boston tends to side with the Celtics more easily than they do like the Red Sox. They'll get upset with the Red Sox. Bruins fans are are very critical. Um, Patriots fans are loyal to the day they die, but they can get frustrated at times. But when it comes to the Celtics, there's like it's like almost always love. That's why the whole Kyrie thing is so unique around here because they fans want nothing but to love him and right. but when it when it's other teams though forget about it man like you're you're public enemy number one get out of my face and when it comes to the sixers and the lakers like it's like yeah. no love at all whatsoever
0: now, now cam before we get to you man i, I do well i do have like one thing okay. orlando or, orlando fans are weird like <laughs> I <laughs> am I'm going to I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it this way. I like I kind of thought like when you think about the Magic and like Orlando, right. you think it's like like you know when the Magic had like Dwight Howard, you know like the Magic were we're like, you know, they were really good we're good, good yeah. basketball team. But now it's kind of like, "Oh, okay, they're they're all right. You got Vucevic, they're good. Aaron Gordon, uh, okay. All right. Jonathan Isaacs good. I watch the Magic. All right. So I was kind of expecting a chill atmosphere when I went down there to, you know, cover Sixers Magic. Um, but instead, I had this one Orlando fan, like just screaming at Ben Simmons about Kendall Jenner uh, off the top of his head for like, a, <laughs> like, for like the uh, every like the entire second half because the Sixers oh were on God. his side of the court in the second half. Every time Simmons stepped to the free throw line, this dude, and this dude was cla- was decked out, clad in Orlando blue. It was like he had magic glasses on. He had like. <laughs> evan fournier jersey which i don't know why you would even own an evan fournier jersey even for a magic fan that's just that is inexcusable I don't own an evan fournier jersey and then on top of that he had like the he had like orlando like streamers like magic and everything else in between and every time ben's him to the free throw line all i heard was something about kendall jenner and he was right behind me too and i'm like oh my god i didn't expect this I'm, i didn't expect this i thought orlando would be chill you weren't ready, you weren't ready. I, was I wasn't I was expecting something a little more chill. I mean, Orlando, I, that, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Two questions for you. One, how were Cleveland fans
2: for one? And the second one, you know, I want to get your opinion yeah. on, on Ben Simmons. and the Okay. So Cleveland, um, you know, it's a, I mean, you know, from, I'm from Cleveland, so I'm a little biased in terms of how I see the fans. Okay. But I, I truly think that Cleveland fans across all sports are the most loyal, the most passionate Oh, I mean, dude, to be a Browns fans. fan, you have to. <laughs> dude, well, no, because I do, like, Browns fan stories every Friday. I do stories on Browns fans. That's crazy. So, like, they are the most passionate, the most loyal, the most dedicated fans, like, in, in, in sports, like, across all – especially the Browns. It's, it's, it's a Browns town through wow. and through. It is a Browns town, and it always will be a Browns town. The Browns are a dumpster fire. But the Cavs, I mean, the Indians, they got their own subset. The Cavs have their own subset. And, I mean, they, they'll they boo, like, if if there needs to be booing, you know, if the Cavs are really doing bad, like, bad, bad. And there have been, like, a couple um, this season. But not really a whole lot. They'll, they're very supportive, um, just, you know, very – positive atmosphere you know for the most part and yeah very very supportive fans
1: we're all around the midwest too so that's the other thing we were yeah. you know east northeast is not exactly the most welcoming bunch of people <laughs> i like <laughs> it that way
2: yeah that's and I, I will
0: say this so going growing up in michigan um P- piston fans they they only they only support the team when they're good they, they they're the most Piston fans are the most bandwagon fans I've, I've ever come across, like, like 100%. They only, like, even, like, especially during, like, the Billups, Hamilton, Prince, Wallace, Wallace era, like, you know, the going to work era. Oh, yeah. Like, they played at the Palace, and the Palace yeah. is like, 45 minutes north of Detroit. Like, like it's a drive. Wow. So, like, so, like, unless the Pistons were doing good, nobody was heading out there. Like, nobody.
1: And I you also this, got the Red Wings out there too. I mean, they were always good, so that's. No, the Red better. Wings were always in Detroit. The Red Wings were always in downtown Detroit. But I just mean, like in general, like they were good. I would see, I would think was yeah. was Detroit more a hockey town than anything. Always, it always yeah. is. But specifically, though, when the Pistons are are doing really well,
0: like 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 I said, and during the Lions
2: the- have been garbage.
0: Oh my God! I don't even want to hear about the Lions. That, like, the whole <laughs> city is, just for some reason, blindly loyal to such a crap organization. Like,
1: because it's the NFL, dude. Everybody just loves football and they just follow it blindly. Because what? The hell, because everybody loves football. It's just I how just it works. I just don't get it.
0: I just don't get it. Like the only thing the Lions have going for them is Matthew Stafford, and they put like such crap talent around him every single year outside of Calvin Johnson, and it's like Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. like how, how? Calvin
1: you Johnson. Say-
0: and and then they fired then they fired Jim Caldwell to bring in some loser like Matt Patricia who like has <laughs> has shown like no type of like like they fired Jim Caldwell because 9 and 7 wasn't good enough and two seasons Matt or three seasons whatever Patricia's like 9 23 and 1 any time with the Arizona Cardinals I'm like
1: like yeah, Patricia cool.
2: sucks like I
0: I I, 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 I I I don't understand it i don't get it Anywho, anywho, we're, uh, before before I go off on a tangent because I'm telling you I will. But uh, Cam, Ben, ben Simmons. Simmons. So, so what, 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 what do you think, Matt?
2: So yeah, I mean you know in the past the Celtics have you know as Nick mentioned that switchability, but they've had just levels of defense against Ben Simmons. So they'll load the paint and they'll just you know just stack defenders throughout the the area throughout like the middle of the floor. So Ben Simmons can't penetrate. He can't get into the key. He can't do what he does best and pass out to whoever's open. So when you have that, I think that's why it's going to be better for them to run Simmons off the ball to give the Celtics different looks. If you have Simmons on the ball most of the time, they're just going to lock him at the top and be like, okay, shoot. Um, They did similar things to LeBron when LeBron couldn't shoot. Um, back in this first stand in Cleveland. So they're gonna have, the Sixers are going to have to run Simmons more off the ball, and I think they've done a better job about that this season. But I think next season they really have to elevate that. And, you know, also in the potential playoff series with the Celtics, when the NBA resumes, they're going to have to really take a look like, hey, we got to run Simmons off the ball because we're not going to have a chance against this very good defensive team if we don't utilize Simmons in other ways?
1: Well, my only thing with that is uh, I think for Simmons, it's definitely a better move for him because then he can be more impactful offensively. But what's going to happen with Embiid's game in the course of all that too? And and the thing is, if you're looking at, and I I don't know if you guys are going to talk about this another time, but I know that, Kai, and I have talked about it, that the biggest thing that the Sixers have going into this series is Embiid versus the Celtics bigs. That's the problem that I look at. As much as that might be more effective for Simmons. Right. And that is yeah. why
0: that is why I think Philly beats Boston. Like, like if they were to match up, that's why I think Philly beats them, just because, you know, the game slows down. And listen, this team is built for the playoffs. I know Brett Brown says it all the time. Elton Brand says it all the time. <laughs> but, like, they, they really are not a regular season team. Like, they're not that team that's going to go up and down and try to win 45, 50 games. Well, actually, I mean, they will win 50 games if, you know, the season didn't, like, stop. They would have won 50 games. But, like, what mm-hmm. I'm saying is come playoff time, that style is going to be a little bit more useful rather than in a regular season game in like January when they're playing like the golden like a, a healthy warrior team and Curry's going up and down. I mean like that's just kind of the way I see it. When you when you play Boston and that game grinds to a halt and Boston has to deal with both Joel and Al, like that is where I think Al Horford's talents will continue will begin to really fit in with this team. And and it's going and then that's where he's going to be the most effective his come playoff time. And that's why I think Philly beats Boston. Like if I had to, if I okay. had to, put, I'm not a betting man, but if I had to put me Philly in five, that's just me. I mean, like In that's, five?
2: Yeah. Yeah, wait, hold yeah. on. Guys. I'm so
0: serious. And it's just for the simple fact yeah. that I can't see Boston guarding Joel and Al like that. I just, I can't see it. And also that starting five of Simmons, Richardson, Harris, Horford, and Embiid have a defensive rating of 97 and a half. They give up ninety-seven and a half points for hundred possessions. It's like by far the best number in the league. I've seen the Sixers close games out defensively. I watched them play Denver here at home back in uh, December. It was actually the night right before I came up. I took the bus to Boston, Nick. It was it was it was that night, and um, they held <laughs> they held Denver, a team with Jokic and Murray and all their offensive options. They held them to like two points over the final seven minutes of that game, two, and. Even though they're in, like, their offense wasn't exactly, you know, humming because of their defense. I think they only scored like six points over the final seven minutes. It was ridiculous. But the That's whole, crazy. But to hold Denver to like two points, two, over the final like, seven minutes of that game, I mean, they can kill you defensively.
1: And, they can kill you defensively. Can, but I mean, what, yeah. one, one thing that I look at with the Celtics team, too, and in some ways this, this hasn't been a good thing, but in other ways it's like there's this unknown that everybody has to be on watch for. The Celtics – R- very rarely had their top five players all playing in the same game. And, right. we're, and we're not – Tice is not one of those guys. Tice is their number this six. This is true. This is true. N- that, that makes a huge difference because then Kem- when you're Kemba's been w- hurt, yeah. Kemba, yeah, and Kemba, like, towards the end, too, was dealing with – like, he was back, but he still wasn't – he was making mistakes that it had to be had to do with his knee because it was more, it came down to his agility. So if he comes back and it's fine, like this rest again, it's good for the Sixers, but it's really good for the Celtics because Hayward had had stuff off and on all year. Brown was getting injured every other day for something it, it, legitimate injuries. But then Smart gets bumped and bruised all along the way. Tatum's the only guy who really stays healthy of their top five guys, and then you have Tice too. So I think like I think that's another thing that, that's important. All and then when you look at like offensively. It's it, to me, to me honestly, it's in beat, and it's like how how do you find a way to, to stop that? I mean, but the factor that they have now in all this too is is Robert Williams. I just don't know if how effective he's going to be. I know you're probably looking at like Nick's bringing up Robert Williams, like the Kyle yeah, singer mixtapes we were seeing, but like,
0: yeah, I, I, I mean like Robert Williams. <laughs> I mean, I, I like him a lot, but like I, I don't know what you're going to do with him as a second-year player, go, going up against quite possibly, at least in my opinion, the best center in the game when it yeah. comes to Joel. So, like, right. I, I'm not really sure what that would even do. And then you bring up Kemba, and Kemba destroyed Philadelphia last year when he was with uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, he, he had, I think he averaged, like, 45 against the Sixers with Charlotte. Yeah, was he, he balled every game against them. Every game, Cam. It was like but I remember, game.
1: wasn't the first time you were here, kind of the second time, when Tybill shut him down in that second half after Walker made him look like a, like a high schooler? You know what I'm talking no. about?
0: That was like the first game, I think, like like the first game, the game the Sixers won up there. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like uh, the excuse me, the combination of Theibel and Richardson can really do a terrific job on Kemba. I mean, Kemba this year against Philadelphia in three games is averaged 22.3 points and 4.3 assists. But then you look at the shooting numbers and he shot 37% overall and 36% uh, from deep. Even in his Celtic debut, I think he shot something crazy like four for 20 or something like that. It was like, Theibel and Richardson can make his life miserable. And then you look at Tatum. You got Tatum. You got Brown. They're both averaging over 20 points. Gordon Hayward's averaging 17 points. So, Cam, I totally understand what you're saying, and it totally makes a ton of sense. And it's kind of like maybe you just kind of flip a coin at that point. But for yeah, me, I'm. I'm taking the more defensive team. I'm taking the team that's whose style is literally tailor made for the playoffs. And I, I, yeah, I could I totally see the Sixers taking them out in five. Like, I could totally see it. I can. And and like and like that. That's just kind of like, like I said, that Denver game kind of screamed to me. Yeah. That 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 Denver game to me kind of screamed. We're going to win games defensively. And to hold the Nuggets down to, like, two points where it's over the final seven minutes, to me, just extremely impressive. That's just me, though. And I, and yeah. I can totally see your argument, Nick.
2: I can see your argument. But I'm, I'm, I would stick with Philly, like, for sure. I mean, holding the – I mean, I'm not going to, like, say, like, the Nuggets are a bad offensive team because they're not. But, I mean, I feel like they're kind of just above average, too. Uh, I don't think they're very I'm ex- not, like, an excellent – offensive team or anything but also philly is that you know like a top five defense only thing that worries me of philly is that offense because if you cannot score especially against boston boston's another top five you know defensive type team you can't score then what's the use of having that good defense i mean you know Mm -hmm. just because you can score doesn't mean just because you can defend doesn't mean you're gonna um be able to just win i mean yeah it puts you in a better position but, but you still got to be able to put the ball in the basket.
0: Right. And that's where you got to look at Tobias Harris. Like, like that's where you got to look at Tobias Harris and be like, dude, we're paying you 180 million. You have to step up and be the guy down the stretch of games. For sure. I get what you're saying. And you look at Boston and they've got like three closers. They got Kemba. They have uh, Tatum. Hayward even has experience as a closer with Utah. And he's done it a couple times with Boston. So I get it. It, it totally makes a lot of sense. I'm just rolling with defense. That, that would just be me. It would be the only series Philly would win because if Philly were to match up second round with Toronto, Cam and I, we talk about this all the time, Toronto would beat them because mm-hmm. they have Marcus and Pascal Siakam to match up with Joel. And then, yeah. and then they can also throw uh, a now healthy OG Ananobi, who's a very good defender in his own right. They could throw Ananobi at Simmons, and they could also throw a bulldog defender like Kyle Lowry, who did give him a little bit of trouble last year in the playoffs as well. So, like, it's the, mm-hmm. only, series I, it's the only series I could see Philadelphia winning. Well, like I think Boston's probably their best chance to move at around one. That's that's, he, that's just me. He, yeah, my, th-
1: I, I like I can understand someone saying the Sixers will beat them in the series, beating them in seven, six. I could, I mean, I'm not gonna agree with it, but it makes sense. But five is just, I I respect you not taking the safe <sighs> route, but five to me is ridiculous <sighs> because the last time they played was was February first. Jason Tatum was an immensely different player at that point. They didn't have Kemba Walker in that game either. Like that – and they won – still. Celtics won that game. I get it. They lost the previous three, but they were – they had their, you know – setbacks kind of along the way where their defense was tested and they had to make adjustments and everything, but the Celtics were for the most part moving in a certain direction. And it was more of an upward trend than anything. And and you say, and you're bringing up the, the nuggets and stuff too. That was so the, that, that game that you're referencing, that was in like the end of January, right? It was, it was like December. Like it was, oh, very so it was early in the season. Okay. Like but that's the other problem too, is like, the Nuggets were like Jokic. We we bring right. up him earlier. He turned it around later on in the season when he dropped that 25 pounds that he picked up on his friggin' ass in the offseason. <laughs> like, this is like he was not the same guy, they were not the same team with him like that. So, that's the other thing that I look at. It was like, okay, yeah, it's good, but I, I know.
0: But the, the week before that game, the Sixers were in Denver and Jokic dropped a game. Winner on the,
1: you know, oh, yeah,
2: and I mean, like, 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 he's Philly been up and tour. down the whole year, though.
1: But is, that, wait, wait, and is that more commentary on the Sixers? Because the Sixers have had chemistry issues all year, right? It hasn't been the problem for, for them?
0: The Sixers have just been a mess. Let's just kind of put it that way. The Sixers <laughs> in terms of <laughs> chemistry, yeah, I don't even want to go there. I mean, like, th- there are times where, like, you'll enter the locker room pregame and it will be tense. Like, there mm-hmm. will be times. It's like and, – and, again, it's not like these guys hate each other. Like, I can tell you right now, these guys, I feel like they genuinely – like each other, like Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris went on Instagram live last night and they were kicking it, like, like on, on IG live, they were just kicking it.
1: Yeah, they're calling out Pat Bev, they better be careful, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, they called out they Pat Bev them. too, because Pat yeah, Bev was using the, the Sixers. Sixers in the 2K tournament, and I think it was Tobias, Tobias turns to the TV and he goes, Ben, look what he's doing to us, and Ben go, and I think Ben said, no, nah, he's not doing us justice, he's, he's, he's not using us right, like, <laughs> <Right>, so... <laughs> So like I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I'm, I'm upset nobody like caught that on video. I was trying to like oh, go, but you can't.
1: Go maybe back they maybe they should look at it and say, huh? If Pat can't figure us out, maybe that's where our problem is. No one can figure us out.
0: Yeah, that might be it, bro. That <laughs> might be it. All right, guys, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up right there for Cameron Fields, my guy Cam, out there in Cleveland holding it down. A uh, big thank you to Nick Fryer for for uh, yep. coming
1: on, talking some hoops with us today. Nick, you get the last word, my friend. Hey, I'm just uh, – I'm, I'm happy to talk Sixers as much as I did. I grew up a Celtics fan and everything, not a Sixers guy, but always happy. Thanks for having me on, bud. I feel that, man, for sure.
0: Cam,
2: anything, anything to end it off with?
1: Man, I, uh, if
2: anyone wants to play Call of Duty Warzone, Jesus. You, know, you can hit me <laughs> up uh, on PlayStation. I'm on PlayStation 4. Uh, DM me at Cameron Fields underscore on Twitter uh, for the user – for the username.
1: Well, hey, yo, uh, if you hey, want yo. to – if you want
0: to hit up Black Ops One, though, hit me up. I mean, like I got this. Like we'll play, we'll play some old school zombies with that. We're out. We'll see you guys next time here on the Bell Ringer.